Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. I had the most marvelous talk prepared for you, and uh, and the events of this weekend, uh, the killings on the Max train, have derailed me a little bit, but I'm going to soldier through in a kind of a specific way. We were planning on talking about the idea of the unity principle, and although I was going to apply it more to the idea of communication with God, I think I'm going to Um, apply it to what has happened here in the city uh, for a little bit, and then we'll wind up concluding our series on Can We Talk to God? Um, So the unity principle in its uh, most simple form, of course, is the idea that we are all connected, that there aren't different people, there aren't really uh, differences between us, that we are intimately connected in the most particular spiritual way. So there isn't an us and them, there isn't a, um, I don't know, I, I think we're used to reflecting upon people as being fundamentally different from one another, when in reality, even even scientifically, we're something like 99.9999999% basically the same. And so when something uh, happens like the killing on the Max train, especially for such um, egregious reasons, you know, young uh, Muslim women being targeted because of their, uh, their religious beliefs, it, it reminds me that the unity principle says that when anyone is threatened, we're all threatened. That when anyone's rights are attempted to be taken away, all of our rights are in jeopardy. That when violence is done to any one of us, the least among us, violence is being done to us in general. And so the unity principle really uh, asks us to stand up, not to, uh, not to reel away in fear, but rather to stand up and say, I stand for something important here. I stand for the oneness that we all share. I stand for the rights of people to um, worship the God of their choice. I stand for the rights of people to dress as they like. I stand for the rights of everyone because I am a part of everyone. You know, I uh, went to OMSI not too long ago. Do we have any OMSI friends here? I, I, some of you probably figure it's for kids and what I'm doing there. Well, what can I say? <laughs> I wish I could say it was I was taking kids, but no, I just went, uh, went by myself. And they had a little exhibit there, which I thought was interesting. Uh, to me, of course, illustrating the oneness of all life. And they, they simply invited... Uh, t- well, I imagine two children, because it was kind of low, uh, to, put, to put their hands down on this one plate. And, and it recorded how long it would take literally for the molecules of the two children whose hands would be there to have exchanged some portion with one another. So it, it measured how long it literally would take for a kind of oneness to happen between the two kids, that actually electrons, and at a molecular, layer, a molecular level, there would be an exchange, that part of child A would be in part of child B, and so forth. And it just, it just underscores to me the idea that when we think of ourselves as separate, when we think of ourselves in competition with one another, when we somehow believe that for me to win, someone else has to lose, 
I'm just violating that idea of unity. I'm simply somehow imagining in my own mind that myself is so separate and so, so privileged in some way that other people can come to harm or other people don't count as much. And, and of course, that's simply, simply not what we believe. Now today I'm gonna to talk more about this idea of the unity principle in terms of communication with our higher power. And the reason that the unity principle works in that sense as well is that if we truly are all connected, if God truly is that seamless vehicle with which we're all connected, then my question is, do I actually have to go anywhere to talk to God? Do I have to do something or be something special to be in contact with my higher power? Do you see that that same connection that exists between people as part of the body of God, of course, exists between us and God itself as well. And so in Science of Mind, well, actually I'll, 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 uh, I'll digress with a, with, with a small story. I remember when I was uh, uh, a child going to kindergarten and in Newport, Oregon where I was raised, all they had was the Catholic kindergarten. So even though we weren't Catholic, I had the honor of going to kindergarten. And I remember that one of the nuns sent me home with a note one Sunday. Um, <laughs> I think I had asked too many questions, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I remember my mom coming up afterwards and saying, you know, we don't all have to believe the same thing. And I said, well, yeah, I know that. And, and, and my mom said, so if you want to believe that God is like a TV camera, I think that's okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I suppose I better explain a little bit. So... Uh, <laughs> So, so, so uh, one, of the, one of the nuns, as, as I don't know how it worked into the lesson plan, described that God was always watching us and knew what was going on. And so, you know, smart aleck little Larry said something like, uh, oh, so like a TV camera, he's watching us? <laughs> and uh, anyway, that got me the note coming home. But, uh, but you know what? Maybe I wasn't quite so harebrained. Because if God is everywhere, then aren't the eyes of everything part of God? So as long as there are eyes to see, as long as a consciousness is present, absolutely God is there. God is always there because God is everywhere. And so although I may have been <laughs> fixating on you know, how they filmed I Love Lucy with three cameras, um, uh, the reality is that, yeah, when we pray to God, we only have to go as far as our own heart and in our own mind. When we listen for God, we don't have to do it in a special place. We can simply tune in to that higher power, that sense of belonging, something grander to ourselves, wherever we are. We can take a meditation break to commune with God at work in the middle of the day. We can just close our eyes and for five minutes be in communication because it doesn't actually require anything special. It doesn't require us to do anything special or be anything special just beyond who and what we are right now. That still small voice is available to us, that, that person that can uh, answer our prayers. I say person, of course, it's not a, it's not a person. 
Um, but we can personalize it through our communication. We can have that sense of closeness, that sense of love to our higher power. And what does our higher power say? I, uh, I managed to find one of those lovely uh, Mullah Nazruddin stories. Uh, the, the Persian poet familiar to uh, uh, probably more people in the East than here in the West. He's kind of a folk hero in places in Iran. Anyway, uh, in this particular story, he's been made a judge. So not only is he a holy man, but he's in judge of, uh, of the small town he's in. So Judge, judge Nazruddin was listening to a case. After hearing the plaintiff present his side, Nazruddin remarked, you're right, you're just right. And then after the defendant had presented his case, Nazruddin again remarked, well, of course you're right, you're right. Well, Nazruddin's wife has been listening to the case and remarked, honey, that doesn't make any sense. How can both the defendant and the plaintiff be right? You know what, Nazruddin responded, you're right too. <laughs> and I, uh, I would like to suggest that that's actually one of these unity principles at work because God simply is here to support our opinions and our choices. So when we know something that is true for us, we really know it in our heart, God will support us in that, whether we need resources, whether we need a, a friendly hand, uh, whatever is needed when it's in our heart to receive it, uh, God simply says, yes, you're right. Now, you can sense the conflict, though, that that Mullah Nasruddin's wife pointed out. What if people are actually in opposition to each other? Can they both be right? Can the people on the MAX train, all of them, be right in the mind of God? The person who did the terrible deed, the, the women that were... Um, so unjustly uh, accused, the, the fellows that ran to her aid and were killed, can they all be right? See, in the mind of God, yes. In the mind of God, when we are acting on behalf of our heart and holding it to be true, nothing is held against us. There's no judgment involved, but there is the law of cause and effect. So when we treat each other well, when we treat each other with love, when we use the force of that unitive principle to bring about joy and peace and love, well then we all get to experience love and peace and joy and God supports us in that. Unfortunately, when one of us chooses a different path, a truth that, that isn't so wholesome or loving, God says yes to that too. God supports that too. But the law of cause and effect shows that many of us may suffer from it. It isn't a, a, it isn't a problem with God. If there's a problem at all, it's simply in the problem of humans choosing poorly. Given that we all have free will. There isn't some over, you know, sometimes I think we confuse God for a, like a superhuman, like a superhero character, like a super judge Nazruddin that will somehow prevent people from making bad choices. And although that's an interesting idea, 
who's ultimately to say what is bad and what's good? Now, I have some ideas, right? If I happen to be Judge Nasruddin, I might have my own particular ideas, but in the human realm, we're so often wrong. In the human realm, we so often make mistakes. So God is simply here to support us all, all of the time, even when we make a mistake. And the mechanism by which we learn to not make mistakes is the law of cause and effect. So we don't need to worry about what happened on the train for a number of reasons. We're not those people. We get to make our own decisions. We have our own consciousness. We don't need to be uh, uh, put in a position of fear. We can choose to live boldly. We can choose to know that our lives are around the ideas of unity, around the ideas of love, uh, around the ideas of peace and working well with others. And God does respond to that. God backs us up. We need not be afraid. This is one of the more difficult discussions in science of mind, right? But if you think about it, to not recognize God in everything is to somehow say there's a devil, that somehow there's, there's judgment and punishment in the world. And as much as some preachers enjoy their fire and brimstone um, sermons, um, you know, I'm not that one. <laughs> we don't believe that there's some physical hell that people go to. But through the law of cause and effect, I suspect that someone in this incident will feel like there is a hell here on earth because that will be reflected back. All right, on to this idea of unity in terms of how it relates to communication with God. So think about me and kindergarten. Maybe it is like that television camera in a way. Maybe it's as though the camera is always rolling because I'm always rolling, right? If I don't have to go any further than my own mind and my own heart to have my prayers answered, I am, if you will, my own TV camera, my own lens into the mind of God. We all are. And so our prayers need go no further than our own hearts and our own minds. Our dialogue with God can take place simply and sweetly in our own hearts and in our own consciousness. We don't have to make a special trip to church, although it is special when you're here on Sunday. Um, <laughs> but believe me, God is as close as your own mind and your own heart. And when we take advantage of that through the practices of meditation, through the practices of prayer, oh my gosh, the greater insights we can have in the world, the greater connection to our, our, our fellow human beings, that greater sense of belonging and being with each other. You see, I think one of the problems with what happened on that Max train was that someone was feeling completely disconnected from life. That someone had that sense of isolation, that sense that for some people to survive, other people can't be allowed to express their own freedoms. And so when we come together in unity, when we begin recognizing that connection that binds us all, such incidences in life start becoming rare. When we recognize the unity and the love that we share with one another through our connection to God, such instances of terrorism or, vi or violence simply can't endure. 
And so this isn't a, a cry to be fearful, but a cry to be bold in our loving. It's a, it's a cry for us to stand up for the, the freedom and the joy that we experience, even, even if a little piece of us worries, even if a little piece of us might feel slightly less safe than we did uh, a week or two ago, I take it as a challenge. I take it as a challenge for me to know my truth and safety in love and peace because God will reflect that back to me. Now, some of you might be wondering what I recommend in terms of dialogue with God. We all have our own special paths, I think, in order to get closer to this uh, idea of a creator. And, and for me, of course, it is meditation. But I will tell you, uh, one thing that I do a little differently, often my meditations are more like a contemplation. And in fact, in the Western world, the idea of just sitting in the silence is kind of new in, in terms of the panorama of religious expression. You know, that came as an Eastern tradition. And long before that, we were sitting in the silence, but with the idea of contemplating something. The idea of maybe contemplating the idea of love or the idea of contemplating the idea of joy. And so uh, here in the West, uh, when you read Ernest Holmes, for instance, and he talks about a meditation, Typically, he's not talking about just sitting in the silence and allowing your mind to go blank, but rather, Ernest Holmes is more likely talking about sitting in the silence with an idea to be thought about and pondered. And so I'd uh, invite you to put back that also back into your spiritual practice. It's one of the, the forms of connection to God that we practice here, one of the ways that we listen to God when we speak to God, we do it through prayer, we do it through affirmation, and when we are in blessed listening, we're in meditation, we're in contemplation, we're envisioning, we're in some repose so that we can listen for that voice that's always uh, speaking to us, but perhaps a little quieter than the other voices that are going on around us. And I want to share one of my favorite forms of uh, guided meditation with you, and we call it visioning. In the science of mind, uh, we teach the idea that we can actually ask some questions and get some real answers back. And so I'd like to, uh, if you'll indulge me, I'd like to try just a little bit of visioning here, and you'll get a chance to see what it's like if you haven't done it before. So I invite you to close your eyes. Just sit comfortably in your chair and know that you can tap into that intuition, that connection to your higher power. It's no, no more different, difficult than your own imagining self. And so when we ask the question, what may come to you might be pictures in your mind or words, might be thoughts or ideas, might be symbols, images, and just allow them to come. Don't worry about whether they make sense or whether you can initially uh, uh, track them back to an answer to the question. Just allow them to be. And our first question is, what is the next great undertaking that I shall be involved in? There's some greatness, some, some joy, some wonderment ahead for each one of us, and so let's find out what it is. What is the next great undertaking that I shall be involved in. We ask and we listen.
just allow the thoughts and ideas to just pop into your head. You'll easily remember them later. What is the next great undertaking that I shall be involved in? And the next question is, what is my role? Now you're going to have all kinds of people helping you with this great idea. They'll all have their part, but what is your specific role in the next great undertaking that you'll be involved in? It might be the leader. It might be bringing the resources. What is my individual role in the next great undertaking? We ask and we listen. Next question, what should I release? Now sometimes to make progress ahead, we need to give up something that no longer is working for us. So are there thoughts of lack or limitation? Is there, a, I don't know, unforgiveness in your heart? What might we release in order for this high vision of this great undertaking to unfold? What might we release? might just be making room for the goodness. What might we release to make that room? And our last question, what spiritual principle might I embrace? Is there a quality of God like love or joy, like peace, like abundance or wholeness? What spiritual principle might I embrace that would make all the difference in this great undertaking? What spiritual principle should I embrace? All right, let us give thanks to this time of uh, contemplation. You can open your eyes. I'd like to read to you this passage out of Can We Talk to God by Reverend Dr. Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Science of Mind. He says, we each contact it, it meaning God, through our own mentality in an individual way. We draw from it an expression which satisfies us. For instance, we are surrounded by the idea of beauty. Whoever dwells upon beauty tends to become beautiful. There will be a grace and a charm expressing itself through that person, which no one can fail to recognize and appreciate. If we make ourselves receptive to the idea of love, we become lovable. And to the degree that we embody love, we are indeed love. 
This is why people who love are so easily loved. It does not pay to hate. Hate is a human idea. Love and only love is divine. If we make ourselves receptive to the ideas of peace, poise, and calm, calling upon these divine realities as our own, we find them flowing through us and we become peaceful, poised, and calm. And so you see, not only is our communication with God a communication, it's also a measure of becoming. As we commune with the divine, we become more like the divine. As we contemplate love, as we contemplate joy, as we think of the good things that we shall have, as we imagine our wonderful undertakings to come, we're actually transformed. It's not only a communication, it's also a transformation. When love is in our heart, we begin seeing more love around us. When we communicate the, the, with the divine through our prayers and affirmations, and these are wholesome and loving and, uh, and joy-filled, God says yes. And our lives become that way. And the lives around us are, are held up. The, the entire planet is raised up as we put into that amazing law of cause and effect, love and joy and light. We are all lifted up. And so to summarize really this whole month, this idea of communicating with God, it's as easy as that unity principle again. We are one with the divine, and so of course we can communicate with it. We can communicate with our own selves, can't we? And as we begin listening to that inner voice, that, that voice of inspiration, that voice of intuition, we start getting the messages of what our great next undertaking is. We get the messages of abundance and love that we so, so desire in this world. We have that sense of peace and joy that is uh, it's God's gift to all of us if we're ready to listen for it, if we're ready to accept it. And so um, in summary, I encourage each one of you to Find some time during the day for reflection. Some time during the day or in the evening when you can sit, not with the TV running, not with uh, loved ones uh, uh, pestering with you with their sweet love. There's time for that. There's absolutely time for that. But a time for the inward journey as well. A time for that ability to listen to what's going on on the inside to maybe express your own prayers, a time for listening to the divine. I'm gonna close with a, a final quote uh, from Ernest Holmes as he closes out this wonderful book. He says, let us be receptive to the divine nature that it may flow into our everyday living. New arts, new sciences, new religions, better government, a higher civilization wait on our very thoughts the pent-up energy of life, the possibility of human evolution, it works through our imagination and through our will. The time is ready, the place is where we are now, and it is done unto all of us as we really believe and as we act. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There is this one thing, I, I choose to call it God, but, but it goes by so many names, by the name Allah, by the name Jehovah, 
um, the divine feminine, all approaches, all aspects of that one God. And I know that because God is everywhere, because it is a, the unity principle at work, I know that it means me too, that I'm right there in the midst of it. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room, each person here capable of holding to their hearts and their minds ideas of love, of connection, of uh, just that awesomeness of life and in all of its variety. And for this, for this I am grateful. Grateful for the power and presence of God showing up every day. Grateful to be aware of myself in the midst of it all each of us in the midst of one another. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.com. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.